0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Something About Sports right here on Movement Radio. My name is Talon Williams. I am Chip Hazard. And I'm Roger Sear. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we will be continuing our discussion of the biggest upsets in sports history. Let's not waste any time. Let's jump right back into the list. Roger, you got the next one yes um so next one on the list
1: is uh rulon gardner does the impossible um little backstory uh for rulon gardner he was an american uh greco-roman uh olympic wrestler uh but the story is against who he won against and it's russia's alexander uh kirlin um and he's by far the greatest greco-roman wrestler in history uh there's no way around it um so Alexander Carolyn entered the 2000 Summer Olympics, having not had a point scored against him in the last 16 years. And at that point, he had not lost a match in 13 years. Uh, Carolyn had one goal at the 1988 Olympics, 92, and 96 Olympics. Um, and he overall had a career of 887 wins and one loss. His one loss came in 1987 against Igor uh, Ro Korsky, I can't pronounce that Russian name. <laughs> uh, but then he literally went back and beat that dude while recovering from the flu and a concussion. So he's a monster. Right. Yes. Yes, he is. Um so the uh gold medal uh match was between Rulon Gardner and Alexander Kierlin. Um and Gardner frustrated Carolyn from start to finish and prevented uh Alexander from executing his famed Kierlin left maneuver. Um, This dude was so great at the sport that he had his own actual move named after him. Um, Right. Gardner clung to a 1-0 lead and was able to run out the clock to take home the gold. As for Carolyn, he retired from competition immediately after the match. Uh, He wrestled for
0: about 20 years. Yeah. I mean, Uh, I think it, it
1: was time to hang it up.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you have 889, you know, wrestling matches and you've only lost two of them in that whole span yeah i mean you're one of the greatest record roman wrestlers of all time you know um when i was in middle school uh well
2: yeah you know most of our listeners
0: (laughs) (laughs) sorry when you were in middle school I, about to say, what I was say, what you cut me off for? I, think, I thought we had a lovey <laughs> or something. No, I'm saying when I was in middle school, uh, Coach Teeters he would always show us like some of the wrestlers that you know but we would like be like we would like maybe you know take something <laughs> and learn something from like a Kale Sayerson or a uh, or or Dan Gable something like that. The heavyweights it, like anyone from like 192 and up would be watching um, Alexander uh, Carroll because you know, he would be. He he wanted those guys to be hybrids of freestyle and Greco Roman. um, Until one of our heavyweights actually dropped another heavyweight on the head, and that was a big issue. Um, But yeah, I mean, going back and just watching the way that this guy wrestled was incredible because you you sit there and you watch, it's like, this dude's a freaking monster. Like, insane. And so for Rulon Garner to be an underdog going into this thing, you know, because I mean, let's, let's face it, at this point, you're. 887-1 887 and one going into your fourth gold medal match against a young, arguably the greatest American Greco Roman wrestler in Rulon Gardner. Yeah, I mean, his eyes weren't good whatsoever of beating it.
2: Well, no, he came into that match uh, a 2001 underdog. Uh, so. You know, uh, as most of our listeners know, uh, we hate the term GOAT, greatest of all time. But in this instance, uh, I I will say that... uh, That Carolyn is the GOAT for Greco-Roman wrestling. Yes. Uh, 100%, no doubt about that. Uh, But here's a a, a small tidbit of useless knowledge. He actually... um, has a 1-0 and record in Mixed Martial Arts as well.
0: Mm. Didn't even know he did Mixed Martial Arts. That's crazy. And yeah,
2: in 1999, um, February 21st, 1999, he defeated Akira Miyata in a uh, shoot wrestling contest put on by rings that drew a gate of over $1 million. Uh, Shit! And yep, uh, the match is counted as an official... MMA match since it was uh considered a shoot style wrestling contest that's crazy so mm-hmm.
1: that's really insane but I mean as great as he is wrestling I mean I mean it transitions a lot of those best mar- martial artists are wrestlers
2: yeah yeah for sure Yeah, absolutely yeah so uh- so I, I I do believe that uh I do believe that his record of 887 wins and two losses will never be duplicated or exceeded
0: no nah. I mean you yeah, have to never. start like very very young like he did he's he started at like what 13 years old or something like that yeah 13 yeah and then I mean obviously I mean if he started in 82 at 13. You know, and then ended up becoming a super heavyweight, you know, range, for like 287 pounds or whatever, you know. Just, again, a freaking monster, you know. One of the greatest, if not the greatest, actually, yes, the greatest uh, Greco-Roman wrestler of all time. American, Russian, whatever whatever country. It's He, he is considered the greatest. So, that being said, yeah. um, let's move on to the next one, Chip. You got it?
2: I do. Uh, we're going to talk about Tom Brady and the New England Patriots shocking the the then St. Louis Rams for their very first Super Bowl. So, uh, do you guys remember the year two thousand and one? Yeah, I was nine.
0: I was a freshman in high. School. I just graduated,
2: yeah. and I just graduated high school. <coughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Sh- shut up, young buck. Oh. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, this man was in fourth grade when I graduated high school.
0: Laugh at anything; it's not funny. The,
2: yeah. Uh, you, so, what so what the Patriots were a? actually.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Uh,
2: so the Patriots actually underdogs <sighs> that season and scored multiple upsets on their way to reaching Super Bowl thirty-six. The Patriots were 14-point underdogs against the greatest show on turf, St. Louis Rams, but managed to jump out to a 17-3 lead in the third quarter. However, Kurt Warner did rally St. Louis back with two touchdowns to tie the game, and with the score knotted at 17 apiece, a second-year pro named Tom Brady got the ball at his own 17-yard line with one minute 30 seconds left to play. Eight passes, 53 yards later, Adam Vinatieri lined up for a 48-yard field goal, and the rest, as they say, is history. That was the day Tom Brady uh, acquired his first Super Bowl ring. Uh, there's there's a lot of debate whether, you know, he won that Super Bowl or Adam Vinatieri won that Super Bowl, uh, but I would say that he had to get them in position for Vinatieri to score that 48 yard field goal, but also the defense had to uh, hold up to keep St. Louis from scoring anymore.
0: Yes. I, yeah. I, 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 Uh, I
2: mean, I
1: mean, he had a minute and a half to start that. They went eight passes with 63
0: yards. I don't think they had much time left on the clock. no, I mean, but you you also got to look at, I mean, this was the greatest show on turf. This was, I mean, you had Kurt Warner at quarterback. You had Marshall Falk at running back. You had Isaac Bruce, uh, Tory Holt, Ricky Prohl, Ernie Caldwell. um, You had uh, just an incredible, you know, offensive line with Orlando Pace, um, Andy Mandunkel, You had Leonard Little on the defense. You had... uh, who he? Had Mark Fields as your outside linebacker. London Fletcher was on that team. You um, um, had Rich Cody on that team. Willie Gray was on that team. Dre Bly, Adam Marchaletta, Anidus Williams. Um, just on that team, just that team alone, you had so many Hall of Famers on that team. You know, um, you, you know, you know the court, the Kurt Warners, and you know the Isaac Bruces and all them. Um, so. And then, I mean, you also had a, a Hall of Famer on in on on the Patriots defense, you know, in Ty Law. Um, but yeah, I mean that that whole team was, you know, that team. Everyone, everyone, everyone knew that that team was going to win, you know. Um, and then it, it didn't happen. Um, but I do think that I mean, it was definitely it was a Cinderella story. The fact that they won, because if you think about it. When Drew Bledsoe went down that year and Tom Brady filled in, nobody thought that it would come to this point, you know. No one thought that, okay, this team's going to be going to the Super Bowl, you know. Because, I mean, if you look at the roster that they had, they didn't really have any huge names on it, you know. Um, Now, in hindsight, we look at them as like, okay, these are Hall of Famers. They had Teddy Bruschi. Uh, they had Larry Izzo, they had, you know, Ted Johnston, they had Mike Vrabel, um, they had uh, Tabucky Jones, Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, um, you know, so they had a good nucleus on that on the defense. Um, but the offense, you know, I mean, Kevin Falk, um, they, had, you know, they had Troy Brown, uh, Terry Glenn, uh, David Patton, you know like they didn't even have like Bethel Johnson and Deion Branch until much later you know um but it was definitely... are you a Patriots fan say what now are you sure sounds like it yeah for real no i'm look, i'm using wikipedia uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure but i'm just no but i'm just saying i mean there was that dichotomy no one thought that this Patriots team was going to win this game i mean let I me mean, they were 14 point underdogs uh to win it um and Obviously, I mean, surprise to everybody, they pulled off the victory, and it was definitely an upset.
1: I mean, yeah, it definitely was. Uh, so now that you went down through the full 58 man roster, we can move on to the next one.
0: Oh, you didn't have any comment?
1: I mean, I do, but Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, he's what a whole. 20 minute explanation of the whole
0: roster of the team. We ain't even been doing the the show for 20 minutes yet. What are you talking about? (laughs) Keep it pushing, man. Come on.
1: I'm trying to keep it pushing. I'm trying to keep it going. We'll go. Talk. Go to the next one. All
0: right. It's yours. Move on to the next one, then. Okay. I don't like I don't I don't I don't I don't like this. I don't like I don't like this pressure that I'm getting that that's getting put on me right now. I don't deserve this. I feel violated. You you call them pineapple? Pineapples. I don't like it. <laughs> anyway. No, that Like he's definitely on a pineapple moment. <laughs> so anyway, the next one is the Unherald Pistons dismantle the Lakers for the NBA title. After their three-peat from 2000 to 2002, the Lakers missed out on the NBA Finals in 2003 but got back in 2004 with a roster that featured Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Karl Malone, and Gary Payton. Malone and Payton were both chasing a championship and many figured that they would get it in Los Angeles, especially when they met Detroit in the NBA Finals. The ensuing upset was was as surprising as Detroit's performance was dominant. The Pistons wiped out L.A., thrashing the Lakers in five games. The series would have been a sweep, but Bryant had not made the long three-pointer to force overtime in Game 2. But all all but one of the Pistons' wins came by, by more than double digits. And they held the Lakers to under 90 points in all four, in at least four of those five games. Yeah, I can honestly say this was one of the biggest. uh, I remember watching this. um, And that was when, I mean, mean, they weren't the bad boy Pistons, but they were a different breed of Pistons team. They had Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, you know, Rashid Wallace and Ben Wallace, you know. uh, And even, you know, Tayshaun Prince came in, you know, and, and did his thing as well. Um yeah, definitely a team that no one saw beating this Lakers team that had four bona fide hall of famers on it. So what do you guys feel about this
1: one? I mean, this was a team with no superstars, literally taking down four major superstars and maintaining not only Kobe but Shaq.
2: Yeah, I mean it, you know, we've we've said Plenty of time. Shaq is hard to guard on his own. Uh, but then you throw, you know, Kobe Bryant, who just has skill upon skill. Um, and then Carl Malone and Gary Payton, who weren't any slouches, you know, by themselves. But less than 90 points in four of five games is incredible to say the least. Yeah, I mean,
1: I don't think ever... Especially like the fact that they would have technically... They won almost all games by double digits, but they would have actually won in four games if it was not for Kobe getting that three-pointer. Right. Like, that's just ridiculous to think that anybody would have swept that Lakers team.
2: Well, and especially swept that Lakers team with... I, for lack of a better term a bunch of nobodies I mean they were all pure
1: grinders like that's what was so good about that Pistons team at the time they were the hardest grinding team out there Defense, like they'd wear you out all defense and then you have the shooter Chauncey and Rip Hamilton out there all day I mean Ben Wallace and Rashid Wallace I mean you're not going to be able to out rebound those guys and oh, who, was, no. who was their small forward was it Tayshawn Prince
0: yeah, it was Tayshaun. Uh I'm not sure. It was Tayshaun. Yeah,
1: that's what I was thinking. It was Tayshaun. I mean, yeah. A very young Tayshaun, like you said. I mean, back then he was so raw and good, but that's I mean, it's this this is one of those random teams that somehow won a
0: championship in a really great way. Oh yeah. For me it just it just established a a trope that I think everybody always understands is everyone anytime you like, okay, oh, well, I'm going to pick this team because they got the better player. Oh, they got the best player in the game. I'm going to pick this team. It's not always about who has the best player. It's about who has the best team, you know, and we've seen that many, many, many times where, you know, it, it happened here in 2004. It happened later in 2011. Like, I mean, there's been a whole bunch of different teams that come together and, The Pistons had the momentum on their side. They were getting hot at the right time, and the momentum carried them into the finals, and they did what many people believe to be the unthinkable. And, yeah, you have Shaq, you have Kobe, Carl Malone, Gary Payton, four bona fide Hall of Famers, four of some of the best players that ever played the game. But at the end of the day, four players and not that much depth against a team like what you said, Raj, of grinders and guys who are just – a better team altogether than just a superstar. And then a bunch of role players, you give me a superstar and a bunch of role players, as opposed to a whole team of grinders. I'm taking that team of grinders all day long because they know how to win as a team, not a whole bunch of role players worried about one superstar making the, the shot when it needs to ha- happen.
2: Yeah, yeah. I agree um, with you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, also, that,
2: that uh 4 team also had uh, Maurice Carter, Brian Cook, Derek Fisher, Rick Fox was on that team. Yep. Uh, you know. I mean, t- they had a good bench. Yeah. Uh, Devon George, Horace Grant, Stanislaw, uh, hell, I can't even say that last <laughs> name, yeah uh, <laughs> no, it's M E D V E D E N K O Medved Enko. I don't know.
0: Yeah, yep, that's what it was. Oh, yeah, uh, Stephen A used to always yep. butcher the name on purpose because he emphasized. Yeah. Slava Medvedenko. Yeah, I'll find that clip. <laughs> I'll send it to y'all. Yeah.
2: luke Luke Walton. I mean, so to say that they didn't have a bench, you know, or or depth, or, that's insane too. They they literally had, you know,
1: they had the same bench they had pretty much from the threepeat,
2: right. But compared to but compared to Detroit's Luke,
1: bench, one. Uh, I mean, oh. yeah, Detroit's bench was. I mean, they are a bunch of grinders too, though. Like that whole team was just grinders. They were people that were willing to get physical and wear you out,
0: and it works. Yeah, but can you say that the depth? I mean, but can I you say was... that the depth of that team were a bunch of superstars or were they just good role players?
2: Oh no, they 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 were just good role players. Yeah. I mean, they had what Chuck X, Ax- Chuck Atkins, Chauncey Billups, Eden Campbell, uh, Hubert Davis, Tremaine Folks, uh, Darvin Ham, Richard Hamilton, Lindsey Hunter, Mike James, Darko Malacy, Mehmet Akur. Tashawn Prince, uh, Bob Sura, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, and uh, Carlos Williamson. So you said
0: Darko, right? You know, yeah,
2: yeah Darko. Yeah, good old Darko got his ring
0: before before yeah, before LeBron James, D Wade, Chris Bosh, and Carmelo Anthony. I mean, Carmelo That's what I'm one. saying. How mm-hmm. did Darko get one and Carmelo still doesn't have one. Hey, maybe this year. Hey,
1: Bar- Darko said at the end of the bench.
0: Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. even the 53rd guy gets a championship. Hell uh, fucking what's his name? Um, yeah, Carson Wentz is walking around with a Super Bowl ring on. He didn't do shit. You know, he was in.
1: I mean, he. You can't say he didn't do anything because during the regular season he's phenomenal. Right. He was on an MVP uh, caliber season until he got hurt,
0: and then he'd been hurt, and he's been hurt ever since. So,
1: and then Chip's favorite quarterback took a step up. We got that Super Bowl.
2: Yep, Big dig Nick. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it is. I don't, I
0: don't, I don't know if we could put that on a T-shirt or not. <laughs> I think that might be a little bit. I mean, uh, we can. We can, but who's going to be? We can? Can put it? <laughs> We, we try to keep it classy uh, here. Nick falls himself. I was just, Let's keep it classy.
2: Anybody named Nick would, uh, I was to say, anybody named Nick would buy that shirt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's
1: a very, very exclusive yeah. shirt for Nick's only.
0: Right.
2: Yep. They might not have big dicks, but, you know, it's just for Nick.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. Why are you looking at me? He said it. <laughs> I, <laughs> Henry's looking over here like what the fuck are y'all talking about? All right. We went we, we, went, way we, tr- we went way off We went way off topic. Let, let's stay on topic. Uh <laughs> you got you got the All next right. one,
1: Rod? So the next one on the list. Yes. Uh this one is actually, I actually remember this one. Um, but George Mason takes down UConn to reach final four. So, Gonzaga might be the original Cinderella, at least during uh, the modern era of college basketball. But, no underdog was a more unlikely party crasher than George Mason 2006. Which, I can't remember. I don't think I know anybody on that team. Like, that's how irrelevant they were tightly more at that time. They were the 11th seeded. Um, they were 11th seeded, and they won their first three tournament games, but had the daunting task of taking down the top seeded UConn, Um, Huskies in the regional final and despite being down 43 to 34 at half George Mason never blinked they rallied to take a slim lead and then holding on in overtime uh, to win the game add into a tournament resume that already included wins over North Carolina and Michigan State which is ridiculous to me Um, George Mason becomes just the second double digit C to reach the final four after LSU in 1986
2: wow that's crazy. And looking at their roster from that year, they had Ja Lewis, Tony Skin, Lamar Butler, William Thomas, for Laren Campbell, uh, Gabe Norwood, Sammy Hernandez, Tim Burns, Jordan Carter, Chris Fleming, uh, McCann, Knight and Charles Makings. Like, did any of those guys play in the NBA?
1: I mean, they probably did play, but not that we would know of. Most likely.
2: Yeah.
0: That's crazy.
1: So I mean that's ridiculous. But they I mean not only that, they took out North Carolina and Michigan State also. Like they had a stacked um tournament to go through. Yeah, exactly. Was,
0: I, mean, I mean, I don't know if you want to look through it in detail or whatever. I mean two thousand and six. Who who ended up winning the tournament that uh, year? Two thousand six. Was it Duke? Um, uh, maybe two thousand six. I feel like it would be Duke. Oh, two thousand three was Syracuse. Two thousand four was Maryland. Florida. No, Florida. Yeah, no, Florida. Florida. Florida won, won it. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because that yeah, had gross. that. That was, that was Joe Kim Noah. Uh, yeah. Gross. Gross. Oh yeah, I forgot you're an Arkansas fan. Uh, <laughs>
1: not college basketball. Oh, okay I just don't like Joe okay. Kim Noah.
0: <laughs> Why don't you like Joe Kim Noah?
1: He's he, not really that good of a player. He couldn't even shoot. He's just a big guy that got under the rim. He tried to be shagging. He wasn't <laughs> even that good.
0: Hey, you he was good enough to get drafted yeah. by the Bulls, so, you know. I mean,
1: yeah, he he can... just, I mean, the Bulls track record re- of recruiting, I mean, a drafted at that point oh, was horrible.
2: Right. Yeah, George Mason made it to the Final Four that year. Uh, The Final Four was LSU, UCLA, George Mason, and Florida. Uh, George Mason ended up losing to Florida, uh, who were the eventual winners. So, that's, I mean, that's crazy in itself. But the fact that they got to the Uh,
0: Final Four is even insane.
2: Well, yeah, they beat Michigan State first, then they beat North Carolina then they beat Wichita State. Then they beat Connecticut, and then they lost to the eventual winners. So, yeah, it. it
1: so you're know, saying that a team was would have actually won if Florida got taken out by somebody earlier.
2: Uh, it's very possible. I mean, that's a, that's an argument that could be had. I mean, uh, maybe UCLA would have won, but I mean, just think if it, if Villanova had taken out uh, Florida, you know, it would have been George Mason and Villanova. There's an argument that George Mason
0: could have possibly beat Villanova that would have been I think that would yeah. have been an even bigger upset than them beating UConn
1: so uh the only yeah <coughs> so the only uh person that mattered on that UConn team from that time was H- Hashim to beat. you said it <laughs> no that's his name Hashim to beat.
2: That's what I,
0: I'm saying. I can't even. I, I, but, did he get drafted to the NBA? Yes. Where did he go? Yeah.
1: Uh, he was drafted. Oh, you should definitely know this. Did he... First round, second overall pick in 2009, NBA draft. The Memphis Grizzlies take Hashim, did we take to, Hashim
0: beat... to be. Damn.
1: Yes, he was your center and he was super wow. trash.
2: This man claims to be a Grizzlies fan.
1: What's so weird? I mean, he played there for. Well, he played there. He he was hurt a lot in Z-ball. That's and probably why I don't remember. He was the backup. That's probably to Marcus. why I don't remember him. Yeah, he was the backup to Marcus Yeah, yeah he's Marcus Gasol's backup. He played for three years there. Um, he played for Rockets. He played for the Trailblazers, OKC, um, and then he went to the D League, and then he went to Japan, then back to the D League, uh, and then back to Japan. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so he was basically a journeyman.
0: Well he played for Houston. How did you not yeah, know that, Chip? Because uh, <laughs> right
2: like, he was trash.
1: Like he no, he was really bad though. Like he was he was always a backup and he was always injured. That's what
0: I'm saying. Like I don't I don't ever remember him playing. Like I remember zebo and It's all, but I don't remember I do. him playing.
1: The only reason I remember him playing is because he went in for zebo uh he got out-rebounded by a point guard. They immediately subbed him back out, and he never went back in. Wow. And he's, like, seven foot tall. Like, you can't
0: give me that. Man, you
1: you stand on your tippy toes. You out rebound everybody. Who was that worse, point.
0: him or Kwame Brown? Right. There you go. Kwame Brown? <laughs> Kwame it was horrible.
1: All right, let's move on to uh, the next one, which, to me, is, I say, is the number one. Because football sports moment but let's move on to it
2: all right so we're going to talk about the time that boise state beat oklahoma in famous fashion uh boise state did not belong on the same field as oklahoma at least that was the narrative headed in the 2007 fiesta bowl despite boise state's 12 and a good lord that was dude that was in my ears my bad (laughs) Bro, can you not? Could you not put that under the desk or
0: something?
2: Good oh, lord! <laughs> cold, Keep that in. Keep that cold in. one for the working man. <laughs> <For Bro. me. laughs> we can't take okay, it out. I, I, don't, I,
0: I did not mean you to oh. provide another distraction. Please continue.
2: Is that is that a, a Miller Light or a Heineken or something? I mean, it is damn. a it is a
0: zero uh, sugar Dr Pepper. What
2: so, man? Uh, so so despite <laughs> Boise State's twelve and zero record, the eleven and two Sooners were a seven and a half point favorite. Boise led throughout the game, however, and carried a twenty eight seventeen advantage into the fourth quarter. Oklahoma rallied with 18 straight points to take a 35-28 lead, but Jared Zabranski. Yes, I was saying that. Stop cutting me off. <laughs> Damn. Uh, Jared Zabransky and the Broncos weren't done yet. Facing a do-or-die 4th-and-18, Boise State flawlessly executed a hook and lateral play to score a tying <laughs> touchdown And in overtime, utilized a wide receiver pass to score a touchdown and then won the game in iconic fashion, running a perfect Statue of Liberty play that culminated in Ian Johnson's decisive two-point conversion. It is widely regarded as one of the best bowl games of all time.
0: Definitely ranks up there in the best upsets of all time, I think, in terms of college football.
2: Oh. Most definitely, Uh, even despite like like they said, even despite Boise State having a twelve and zero record, um, you know the uh, Oklahoma Sooners—they're a powerhouse team. They they always have been,
0: which always pisses me off whenever they talk about like, oh well, power you put it's like oh you put uh, Boise State and Oklahoma against each other. Oklahoma kicked their ass. So what? Let them play each other and let's find out. But this is the game that I always go to, whenever someone says, "Well, this team doesn't belong in the playoffs because oh, we think that these other teams are better than them, so we're not even going to give them a chance." It's like, okay, Boise State was given the chance against Oklahoma. Granted, it wasn't in a championship game because back then, if I'm not mistaken, two thousand seven, they were they they didn't, they didn't even start the playoff system. There was still that BCS bullshit. Um, right.
2: Well, I mean, but if you want to do that, you can even go uh, and talk about the uh, the Boise State-Georgia yes. game where Boise State beat Georgia 35-21. Right.
0: But that's what I'm saying, though. I mean, so. people, they look at Boise State, and because they play in the Mountain West Conference, they don't play for the Pac-12. They don't play for Big Ten or Big 12 or the SEC or the ACC. It's because they're not in a power conference, so they're obviously not as good as these these other teams and these other conferences, you know? And I think this was one of those games that, again, like what we talk about, any team can win on any given day. Yeah, it just doesn't happen often. Yeah. But I think it would happen often if they were given more opportunity, you know? Raj, what do you say?
1: Well, I mean, I I told you guys already. I think this is the best college football game of all time, in my opinion.
0: Uh, I don't know about of all time. I mean, it's up there, but uh, that Texas USC national championship game was crazy.
1: It was this crazy. I mean, yes, it was. No, You're no, no. Well, I mean,
0: uh, in terms of bullshit. in terms of like creativity, this game takes it. But in ter- but in terms of like. Holy shit! I don't know who the hell is going to win this game. It's Texas, USC.
1: Nobody thought Boise
0: State was going to. But that's what win I'm saying. It wasn't. It, it it was. At least with Texas, USC, it was kind of fifty fifty where you didn't know. With this one, everyone thought Oklahoma was going to beat Boise State, and then it was a surprise. That's what makes it the upset because it was such a surprise, you know.
1: All I'm saying is this this is a game I, like in my opinion, like I said, considered the greatest of all time. I mean, it's what got me loving college football even more at this point. Because I was like, oh, these nobodies really can play these guys. I mean, and it was the BCS system. So, I mean, the Fiesta Bowl wasn't a right. championship game, but it was a very high caliber game right. at that point. What was it? Was it the Citrus Bowl? Was it that it year? It was
2: the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, no, I'm talking about the championship game. Oh uh a Trigger that year. Shit, I'm not positive that year. So uh, this uh so Boise State, Oklahoma actually ranks third uh on greatest college football games in history.
0: Is that ESPN, Bleacher Report? Okay. It's Bleacher Report. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it goes uh that 07 Fiesta Bowl between Boise State, Oklahoma. Number two is the uh uh 2013 Auburn, Alabama Iron Bowl. With the other six. And number one. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the, uh Alabama running back TJ Yeldon. TJ Yeldon. Yep. Uh and number one uh is the 06 Texas USC. Cha- uh, championship game.
1: So in 2000, the 2006 season, the championship game was Florida versus Ohio State, where Florida beat Ohio State 41 to 14. And Boise State was the only undefeated team even after their ball game. Correct. I, was, I don't even I don't remember how the freaking. Oh, it was always who's number one and two would have faced each other for it. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's always stupid.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean it's it's a, a little better of a system now with the the playoff system, but um, you know I still think they need more teams. I do too.
1: I mean the bowl game. So number number one versus number two was the championship game. The Sugar Bowl was number four versus number eleven. Yeah, Orange Bowl was number five versus fifteen. Fiesta Bowl was seven versus nine. Rose Bowl was three versus eight. Like, what kind of system is that?
2: Yeah, it it didn't make any sense back then at all. The reason
0: why it didn't make any sense is because, oh well.
2: I mean, back then they would put a you know a two or three loss. No, no go ahead. (laughs) Uh, I I was going to say that, you know, back then they would put like a two or three loss SEC team in the national championship. uh, And then you would have an undefeated Boise State get a bowl game. You know, I mean, to me, it didn't make any sense. But
0: I think a lot of it had
2: to do with the SEC is widely regarded.
0: I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they wanted to make sure that all of the conference champions were being represented in these bowl games. But the problem with doing so is that you would have these conference champions, you know. But then again, you would have like four different teams, or I won't say four, but like three different teams in these bowl games from the same conference. It's like, okay, wait, wait wait a second. Okay, okay, like I get. Okay, Alabama's number one. Obviously, they're going to be in the national championship game because they're the number one ranked team. And then you got, I don't know, let's just say Georgia at number. That that are that's ranked number five or whatever. They're not even in the vicinity of a you know didn't didn't win the SEC championship game at all. So why the fuck are they playing Auburn in the fucking Sugar Bowl, which is one of the biggest games in college football? And neither one of those teams, both SEC teams, why the fuck are they playing each other? First of all, and number two, why does it you know because it like literally there was one year I can't remember what year it was where I literally seen like. Each big bowl game, there was, like, a SEC team in it. And I'm like, why? Why the fuck do I care about Tennessee, Penn State? I mean, neither team was good that year, you know? How the hell, you know? But meanwhile, you got a team like Boise State who I, go undefeated, and they get shit on, you know? I can't remember who it was. I was watching Pardon the Interruption, and they, they were talking about TCU, and TCU was undefeated at that point. And they said, they. I think Tony Kornheiser asked somebody, I can't remember who he was talking to, about TCU saying, hey, if they go undefeated, do they have a chance to be in the national championship? And the guy was like, you're kidding, right? And he goes, no, I'm not kidding. If they go undefeated, he's like, no, nah, if, even if they go undefeated, I don't think that they would be worthy of being in a national championship. Because, well, Seriously, USC at Alabama, that's more of a better game to watch than TCU Alabama or TCU uh, USC. And he was like, wait why do you say that? I mean, if they're a better overall team and he was like, well, we don't know that for a fact that they're better overall or not, but the better game would be Alabama and S and USC. And so he just says, so basically what you're telling me is that it's a popularity contest. Well, no, it's not a popularity contest. It's just, we, they, they, they're going to put, they're going to put the game on that. Everybody would want to see as opposed like, no one wants to see TCU play. So it's a popularity contest. Well, no. And then he just keeps on shirking the question, but it did, but, In a way, it kind of was a popularity contest. Like, you know, what school is going to generate the most – I mean, it still kind of is. What school is going to generate the most revenue, you know, for your ratings and your TV numbers and things of that nature, you know. Um, Because I remember the one year the Alabama and LSU played each other in the national championship game. um, When Oklahoma State could have played in that national championship game, of course, they ended up playing uh, Stanford in one of the big games but the whole premise was why cuz LSU was the number 1 ranked team. They beat Alabama in the same season. Not only did they beat Alabama, Alabama didn't even win their uh their their side of the conference. They didn't play in the they didn't even play in the SEC Championship game. Yet they were going into that National Championship game. Now granted they did win the National Championship that year beating LSU. But should they even have been there or should an Oklahoma State who only had one loss like Alabama did, why couldn't they get that opportunity instead of a a team? And, and, And Oklahoma State won the Big 12 that year. So, you know, the BCS was a bullshit system.
2: To this day, I 100% believe, even with the, the college playoff system, I believe that you should have to win your conference to even be considered Absolutely. in the playoffs.
0: Absolutely. What's that you, Raj?
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, we've always talked about... we need to do an episode of like all the rules and system changes we would make to right. professional well, sports well, well, I I mean, seen, We talk about the overtime rule. Well, well, I, I sent bullshit. you
0: guys that uh, that thing earlier today in the, in the group chat. The the twelve things in sports that we would like to see change. You guys, did you guys get that pic? Yeah, I Have sent you it, it today.
2: Yeah, you yeah, yeah, sent that today. I sent yeah. Okay,
0: but okay. Well, well, that's hey, that's definitely a, a, a something about sports episode that needs to be talked about. Um, so. We'll spin off of that to the very next one, which is also college football related, which is also a major upset. I would say it's an even bigger upset than Boise State beating Oklahoma. Appalachian State silences the big house. It was supposed to be the season opening tune-up for the fifth-ranked Michigan Wolverines. FCC, the FCS, Appalachian State Paid a visit to the big house on September 1st, 2007. While App State was the top ranked team in the FCS, no one expected a close game. And Las Vegas Sportsbooks did not post a betting line for this. Quarterback Armani, I want to say that's how it's pronounced, Armani, yeah, Armonte Edwards and the Mountaineers flummoxed flum, it? Flum, flum, there we go. Michigan's defense all afternoon and didn't blink when the Wolverines rallied late to take a 32-31 lead. App State kicked a field goal to go ahead, then blocked Michigan's attempt at a game-winning kick. The game marked the first time an FCS school beat a ranked FBS school opponent and stands as one of the biggest upsets in college football history. Do you guys remember this game back in 2007? That was, yeah. yeah. I mean, it
2: was actually the same year as the uh Boise State yeah. Oklahoma game.
1: Yeah, there's a lot that was the first upset of the year. There was a bunch actually
0: that year, but if, I, if yeah. I can remember correctly, 2007 was definitely, yeah. But this was the one I think, honestly, for me, I considered a bigger upset than uh Boise State beating Oklahoma from the same, from the, for the simple fact that everybody just said, okay. This is a tune-up game for for Michigan. We all know because maybe maybe a, maybe a UTC will go to Alabama, and you know that that's you know UTC is not beating Alabama, or you know a uh, um, an Eastern Carolina or you know or, or Eastern or Coastal Carolina will go to like a Miami, and you know like oh that's a tune-up game. You know, no one was expecting App State to beat the fifth-ranked team in the nation at this point.
1: No, I mean, not at all. No, I mean, not at all. But I mean, crazy stuff happens, and especially nowadays, like, Ups is like that happen more and more often, though.
0: Yeah. Didn't App State, did, yeah, didn't App State yeah. also move to the FBS after this? Because it was such a big... Yeah,
1: they're, they're, they're Tier 1, now, or yeah. Division 1.
2: Yeah, they used to be, you know, you mentioned uh, the UTC mocks, they used to be in the same... Uh, yep. socon conference as yep. the mocks
0: cuz i remember they used to beat the mocks they used to beat the shit out of the mocks all the time they were just they were just they were the, they were the team that was just they were one of those teams that like they it was like a it was like a sec school playing in a smaller they were the big fish in the small pond for like so many years you know what are they in the sunbelt conference now where or, yeah. or where 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 are they
2: yeah. i believe that's right yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, they play in the uh, yeah. Sun Belt Conference. I, a,
0: I knew it was something Sun or Sun something. But anyway. But okay. Um. So there's an upset there. Um. I think we're fixing to talk about yet another college football upset. Rod, you want to get this next one?
1: Uh, yes. This one is. Uh, the sixth touchdown underdog Stanford, the Cardinals, um, they shocked USC. Um, uh, so by the point spread, it was a, it was at the time, the biggest upset in college football history, which is kind of weird. Yep. Um, uh, also in 2007, Stanford came <laughs> into a matchup with USC, a 41 point underdog. Yeah. That's ridiculous to think that, 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 that low like, What was the spread against? Oh, yeah, they didn't have a the spread they, against. They didn't even, uh, they didn't, they didn't
0: even do a betting line because they just knew that Appalachian State was going to lose. Well, you thought wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah, but the Cardinals had lost their starting quarterback the week prior and backup, uh, Tavita Pritchard. Pritchard, yeah, um, had just three pass attempts to his credit. Um uh, was he was ranked number one in the country. And the Trojans led just 9-0 at halftime, but we're still holding a twenty three to seventeen lead with some time run out in the fourth quarter. Uh Preachers hit Richard Sherman. Uh yeah, Richard Sherman actually was a receiver uh yep. during college. Uh he literally didn't convert until his last season of college, I think. His his ah, junior season. I think year. he did convert. Yeah, I think he, his last year of college of things when he converted to a corner. But for his most of his career growing up, he was a wide receiver which makes sense of why he's right. so good at catching the ball. Um, not anymore, but he was. Um, so, uh, it was a 20-yard pass on the 4th and 20 to keep the decisive drive alive. And they found uh, Mark Bradford for the winning touchdown on 4th and goal from the 10-yard line with 48 tickets to play. And the Cardinals held on for the 24 23 victory, and Jim Harbaugh had his signature win in Palo Alto. Yes,
0: yes. that Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> that, wow. I think that game was actually the reason why he ended up getting a call. Cause he got, he, cause he he left Stanford like right after this and went to the NFL, didn't he? To go to, to coach the 49ers? Uh, did, did he not coach? Did he not coach? Andrew oh, yeah, Luke? he did coach Andrew Luck. I, I, yeah, it was Andrew Luck. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was a couple years after. Yeah, it was two thousand nine, two thousand ten,
1: maybe. I think yeah, I think it was two thousand nine because I think he was coaching in the NFL before I graduated. Because I'm young. I mean, that was only like three <laughs> years ago, though. I wish it was three years ago. <laughs> if it was three years ago, think about it. I'd only be twenty-one compared to what I am now. Have right fun
2: with that. Just saying, young ass.
1: I mean, I mean, it's, it's been eleven years now for me. It's, it's, <laughs> oh, uh,
0: we have a <laughs> good time. I saw so coming
1: up on big two O reunion.
2: Yeah, we're actually uh, planning our twentieth uh, reunion. <laughs> as, as so, shut up. <laughs> i've been out of school longer than
0: most of these kids been alive
1: (laughs) that's hilarious
0: let's stick let's let's stick to the topic at hand late uh ladies and gentlemen (laughs) come on (laughs) all right so it is so
1: (laughs) so the next one
2: (laughs) you got this one chip i do oh we're gonna talk about eli manning and the giants taking down the patriots and spoiling their perfect season so, once again, in the year 2007, there's a lot of upsets in the year 2007. Uh, the 2007 New England Patriots executed quite the Spygate Revenge Tour, shredding the NFL on their way to a 16-0 and regular season. Though they only narrowly beat the Giants in the regular season, the Patriots were installed as a 12.5-point favorite in the Super Bowl that year. Uh, New York's defensive line dominated the game, however, harassing Tom Brady all night and holding New England's vaunted offense in check. Still, the Giants were in trouble facing a third and long late in the fourth quarter while trailing 14 to 10. Eli Manning managed to avoid a sack and heave up a prayer that David Tyree caught by pinning the ball to his helmet despite tight coverage. Uh, now, I want to pause there for a second and and say, had that catch been made in this season, it would actually not be considered a catch.
1: Which is weird to me, because, I mean, he caught it with his helmet and it didn't hit the ground.
2: I know, but, you know, they changed the rules uh, not too long ago that, you know, it... If it's pinned to any part of your body that's not your hands, it doesn't consider. They don't consider it a catch. They don't consider it a catch until you bring. They They don't. They don't
0: consider it a catch until you can secure it to your body. I think is what is what the technical term is now.
2: But it was secured to his body. Yeah, you. But so, I think the technical term now, and I would have to look it up, is secured to your body and able to make a football move.
1: Yeah, the football football move is the one because you have sometimes where the ref will let a receiver do three steps, get hit, and not be considered a viable receiver. Now, right. And then you have running backs do four or five moves, and be considered like I don't, I just don't understand it at all. Like it's, it's so dumb. Yeah,
2: it it is. Don't forget,
1: don't forget, quarterbacks can leave with their helmet, and the defender can get called for it.
2: That is true. So, anyway, uh, four <laughs> plays later, Eli Manning would hit Plexico Burris. Plexiglass. Yes. For the winning <laughs> touchdown, and the Patriots' quest for a perfect 19-0 season was derailed at the last possible
0: moment.
1: How do you think the Patriots felt losing a Cheddar yeah,
2: Bob? I was going to go
0: there, but you went there before me. <laughs> <laughs> Here's 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 the thing, like the Patriots scored. the, the Patriots scored on their first drive of the game, and they scored on their second to last drive of the game, but every other drive in between, yeah. the defense shredded them. Like, you know, Michael Strahan, O.C.U. Manure. Jason Pierre, Paul, Justin Tuck, I me mean, that whole defensive lineman, in my opinion, all the whole defensive line should have been the MVPs of that game because they took the game away from Tom Brady. It um, should,
1: yeah, it should definitely have been a defensive champion. Definitely a defensive yeah. MVP. But you know how it goes. I'm quarterbacks. Yeah. But but like I said.
2: Yeah and nothing uh JPP and Tom Brady are on the yeah, same team. Great. So
1: he won one against Brady and won one with Brady. Yeah.
0: Correct. That's and a so stand right
2: there.
1: I wonder how I wonder how many times that's happened.
0: Yeah. That is crazy. But but yeah, I mean and a lot of people I mean I, st- I still think it was one of the most it it had to be the luckiest throw cuz I don't think Eli was looking where he was going. Although I will say this in today's NFL with the way that he moved because he did stop for a minute, you know, where no forward progress was being made, you know, had that play, especially with on Eli's part, had it happened in today's NFL, they would have called it and they would have said it was a sack, you know, because, you know, they had him boxed in, you know, Um, there was a couple of refs that would probably call that rule that as a sack or whatever. Um but yeah, I mean for it to happen everybody, I mean a 12.5 uh point you know underdog going into the game, I don't think that's the the biggest lopsided line, but I mean, it was definitely up there where they were like, "Oh, yeah, I'm about two maybe 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 two touchdowns, maybe a touchdown and a field goal, maybe, but or maybe a touchdown to field goal. I don't know. I don't think the Giants are going to do good. And then, but that's the thing people don't get. They were riding that wave of momentum because that year, 2007, uh, they beat 49ers. They beat the, who else did they play in in, in that buildup going into it? Was it the Eagles, 2007? Packers. Okay, that's what it was. It was the Packers. It was the 49ers and the Packers, right? I believe it was the Packers. Yeah,
1: I think, uh, I think it was the Packers, because isn't that when Michael Strahan broke the record against Brett Favre?
0: I think so. But I thought that was during the regular season when he did that. Or was it during the playoffs?
1: Was it regular season? I thought
0: it was a post. I, I, I thought it was a postseason, situation, right?
1: But I know they did play the Packers. I I know they played the Packers in the playoffs because it yes, was a snow game. Yes, yes, it
0: was. When fucking uh, Tom Coughlin looked like the fucking, it looked like he was, looked like Jack, uh, Jack Nicholson from uh, The Shining. You know what I'm talking about? I don't no, I mean, he like he that, looked but, like yeah. his face was all red and shit. It looked like he was frozen on the field because it was just so that it was just so damn cold.
1: I mean, I'm not down here. I just don't remember what he looked like. I mean, I, this was what 2007. He looked,
0: so dude, was, he was. Uh, dude looked <laughs> stoic. I mean, he just looked just just looked like.
1: I mean, he's a hundred and four. <laughs> what do you expect? Well, this motherfucker three days forever. older than Moses, and he's
0: you know out here doing this shit anyway. But. Yeah,
1: and now he's well. He's not even on the he's Jaguars not, anymore. He's so
0: not still. He's, he's not still a that? consultant for him or defense coordinator or whatever he was.
1: I thought he got fired. Mm.
0: It's
2: possible. It's
1: very
0: possible, indeed. I mean, the cons don't know what they're doing. So, are you going to go in on the cons again <laughs> every freaking week? I don't, uh, I don't need to go They go on.
1: Nope. They go on themselves. It's fine.
0: <laughs> okay. All right, so the next one we're going to talk about, y. e Yang stares down Tiger. So we got a golf entry on this list. Tiger. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. Tiger Woods was golf's ultimate closer. Heading into the 2009 PGA Championship, Woods had never lost a major when leading after 54 holes. He carried a two-shot lead in the final round, and victory seemed to be a foregone conclusion, particularly since his closest challenger was Yang, a relatively unknown from South Korea. Woods putter betrayed him on the final day, and Yang never blinked, chipping in for an eagle on the 14th hole to gain the lead he would never relinquish, clinging to a one-shot lead. He even finished with a, floor, with, with a flourish, stifling a 210-yard approach on the final hole to close with a birdie and defeat Tiger Woods by three shots. That is well, that's impressive. impressive. I mean, you get a, but you get an eagle on. Okay, it doesn't. It doesn't define. It, you get an eagle on a yeah. hole
1: 14. So, which I mean, you get. Plus, you you do it two under par, which I think at this point is a par four or par five. Yeah, I think it is a I par four, yeah. So he did it in two, so he did it in two or three. Uh, yeah, I think hits. it's two hits, and then on the final hole, he gets a birdie, which is probably another par four. So he did it in three hits to win by three. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive. And to actually. do this
0: against what many people arguably will say is one of the greatest golfers of all time in Tiger Woods. Um, Now, this was later Tiger Woods. This isn't like 2000, 2001 Tiger Woods where Tiger was just killing everybody, you know, winning Masters and winning PGA Championships left and right. Um, Uh, uh, This was 2009 Woods. He was still doing that. Yeah. This was before the years. (laughs) But I'm I'm saying, I mean, even – but even then, I mean, mean, which – golf is kind of different than other sports where you can constantly stay the greatest, you know, for many, many years. Um, you know, which his, his reign kind of started 2000, you know, which no one was scared of Tiger, you know, from that point forward, 1999 though, You know when he goes 18 under par, you know, which was completely unheard of for any golfer to do so, you know, um, probably one of the greatest performances in golf history, uh, him going 18 under par and ended up winning by like seven stroke, seven strokes. Um, but yeah, I mean, for for this unknown, for Yang to be again the unknown to win in such a fashion, to where you know everyone knows, okay, you know it's 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 you know it's the last round of the tournament. Tiger Woods is wearing that red Nike uh, polo. Oh, it's over. You ain't beating Tiger Woods. And then this and then this this young kid named Ye Yang said, "Yeah, the fuck I am." <laughs> you know, and he ended up doing it. So, you know, kudos to him y-e-yang <laughs> yes okay we, we, we definitely gotta get on that this, we this definitely got to get on the kids that the next episode rap names. Uh, is this a rapper's name a wrestler's name or a or a random ass athlete's name
1: <laughs> I'm telling you we gotta do the is it a wrestler <laughs> or a porn star name
0: we will definitely we will definitely do that cause we're we so definitely similar. do that Yes, They're so similar Alright, so now that we're done with the uh, the golf Let's go on to another uh, Sport that we haven't yet to talk about On the episode, Rod, you got it?
1: I uh, wanted the one after it
2: well, Okay, I'll uh, I'll take this one and let right, you have the one Chip. after that get this one. Yeah. I don't mind uh, <clears throat> Yep uh, Next up we're going to talk about An unknown Roberta Vinci Stunning Serena Williams All right, so Serena Williams is arguably the greatest women's tennis player ever, very possibly the greatest female athlete in history, and overall one of the greatest athletes in history. None of that mattered against Italy's Roberta Vinci in the 2015 US Open semifinals. Williams was bidding to finish off a calendar grand slam, but Vinci stopped her in her tracks 2-6, 6-4, 2-6, 6-4, six, six, and 6-4. Vinci attacked from all angles and kept Williams off balance throughout the match. It was by far the most famous, noteworthy match of Vinci's career and one that saw her retire just three years later. Her win over Williams is still regarded as one of the biggest upsets in tennis history.
0: Yeah, definitely an upset.
2: I mean, it ain't-
1: yeah, anybody beating uh, Serena is an upset. Even to this day, I mean, she's sold out a little bit. I mean, she's obviously older. The talent's younger, and they've got more science behind everything, so they can do stuff. And they've obviously seen a shit ton of tape on her. Oh yeah, but, I mean, even to this day, her losing like anything before the final is an upset. Um, so like losing in the semifinals of 2015 was unheard of at that time. It yeah, was I mean, pretty you much
2: gotta- unheard of. You you got to think, she um, has twenty three single Grand Slam championships. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one Summer Olympic, one W or five WTA Tour Championships, one Grand Slam Cup, twenty three WTA one thousands, and twenty WTA Tour for a total of seventy three championships just as a singles
0: that's not counting uh, she also has right? a uh,
2: total of 23 uh championships as a double yeah that's what I'm saying you know 23 doubles uh 14 Grand Slam three Summer Olympics uh two WTA 1000s and four WTA tours uh she has an actual uh total of 98 championships between singles and doubles God, is
0: that the most all-time? That's phenomenal.
2: Uh I don't think it's the most of all time. Um who would be ha- who would have more? I, is it is it
0: Roger, Roger Federer? Uh, Federer? No. Not cuz he doesn't do doubles that much. How far back uh, do we go? Do we go back to like the Arthur Ashe no, days this or is a, This is a quick
1: Who's the most all-time winning tennis player? I should
2: be like McRoy or something. Uh, Roger Federer is the, the he, male tennis player with the most Grand Slam wins as of 2021. Yeah, how many, does, many does he, he have? have, though? Uh, give me two seconds to click on this link here. Uh, maybe. I'm looking at titles.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh Serena Williams has the most titles in tennis.
0: Hmm. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. yeah. And it's
1: starting from nineteen sixty eight to two thousand twenty one. That's, uh, no. Uh, Roger Frederick has won 103 ATP single titles. Uh, he has, a,
2: he has 111 total.
1: Yeah, so Serena Williams is.
2: Yeah. I guess she would be second. Because uh, he has 111 total. She had 98 total. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's still crazy.
1: Yeah. If uh, Nadal has 86, how much does Djokovic have? Because Djokovic has a lot too.
0: Djokovic is probably up there in like Uh, the 70s or 80s at least. He might be creeping up to 90. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Let me see. Because he's been winning so much yeah. recently, so it's ridiculous. And you also got things about,
0: that. like, Rafael Nadal, too. He's been... Uh, he's he's been at
1: 86. 86. So, he's third taking down the overall list. Uh,
2: yeah, actually. So, uh, the top 10 winningest tennis players in history. Federer is six. It That's is weird. Weird. Uh, Serena Williams is third. Steffi Graf is second and Margaret Court is first uh according to this lid from sportsshow.net. Uh, so uh this I don't know Margaret Court's career statistics. Show her as what's her all-time win record? Stupid. She's been. She, I mean, she played forever.
1: So I'm looking at an article from 2019. That's, I mean, it's a couple years of of date, but it says yeah. at this point has not always 102 titles. But you know, uh, it says he's a long way from the top spot in terms of most titles won. Uh, it says. Martina Navratilova. Navratilova 167 singles titles Ooh. and uh 177 doubles titles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's only won 18 grand slams, I mean, but she has 167 singles, 177 doubles, so she has 344 titles.
0: Is it, is it weird? Do they count? The, do, they, do they only count the Grand Slams, or do they count all championships? Because I feel like a lot of people say, because I this feel like cool. a lot of people is like, well, you know, the Grand Slams are the only thing that matters. You know, in like in golf, it's like the Masters is the only one. Once you get that green jacket, you ain't, you ain't.
1: Well, you got to think about it. The Grand Slam means they won all the four right. majors.
2: Yeah, so Margaret Court actually won 64 Grand, Grand Slam championships. That's ridiculous yeah which is a record for male or female player um she won 192 single titles before and after the open era and all-time record her career singles win-loss record is 1177 wins to only 106 losses for a winning percentage of 91.74 holy
0: shit uh, that's a lot oh uh, god
2: In 1965, she won a hundred singles matches. or or 1965. She was 113 and eight 1968. She was 107 and 12 1969. She was 104 and six 1970 was 110 and seven. And in 73, she was 108 and six. She won more than 80% of her single matches against top 10 players for a total of 297 wins, 73 losses and was the year end top ranked player seven times. It's crazy That's ridiculous. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, That's all absolutely. I can say about all that. Right. Uh, so Roger, yeah. you you want to move on to yes. the next one?
1: Yes. yes. Uh, the next one is the 5001 Leicester City Wolves uh winning the English Premier Cup. Which was a beautiful season all. Oh, I mean, I loved it watching it and to take it with that. Okay, so um looking for the biggest upset of all time from a better from a betting perspective. Look no further than Leicester City's Premier League championship in
2: two
1: thousand six. Sixteen. Oh, I said two thousand six oh, yeah. two thousand sixteen. Ooh, <laughs> I'm burger. Um, how much of an afterthought were the Foxes? oh that was another bird wow that piece is bad um <laughs> before the season started some british sports books had the club at 5001 to win the league title and after narrowly avoiding uh, regulation the year prior yet when it they did thanks to steady consistent defense and the razor-sharp counterattacking of the boy jamie vardy uh leicester city sold up the title with a few games remaining in the season. It might not resonate much stateside, but the Foxes' championship was nothing less than a seismic event in the United Kingdom. I mean, they had a dominant run. I think Jamie Vardy finished with the most um, goals that season. Uh, He might have had the most points because of assists combined. Uh, But no, it was phenomenal from a team that, like I said, almost got ranked back down to this League 2 the year before to come out and win the title out of nowhere.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely crazy. Uh I don't follow soccer as as closely as you do, but I do remember this and I, I remember like everybody talking about how, you know, Leicester City was like they were just gonna be nobody and then they come out and win the cup and everybody was like, What in the hell just happened?
1: So, yeah, so Jamie Vardy actually did finish the league as a top goal scorer. So okay,
0: here. so the Premier League um. Uh, right, so the Premier League, that is that like? And please forgive me for not knowing because I'm is the top. Okay, but, British. but what I'm saying is, and, and forgive me for not knowing. If if i I may not even talk about the, the the same league. Is this the same league that has like Manchester United, Chelsea, all those teams? Okay. Yes. Right. Yes. So yes. it had players like so David Beckham season, and um, Messier 30- and all those players. This was 2016 and messier was still i mean not just yeah it 2016. So,
1: messi plays okay so Barcelona. not in the,
0: not in the same thing that's spanish okay. that's spanish uh, so what uh, christian uh, cristiano yeah. ronaldo no, is, he, uh, is he is he is he at this
1: point no he was he was in he was a spanish he oh, was on okay. real madrid
0: again like i said i don't know these things so that's why um, i need you to
1: explain. <laughs> <laughs> no at the, okay so at uh the league the sorry the uh, Premier League there was 38 there was 38 games played um, Leicester City won 23 a them, drew 12 and only lost 3 like,
0: wait Leicester City Leicester City okay. Leicester City yeah
1: they only lost okay. 3 games that season uh, they had 81 points at the very end of the league so they had 10 points over Arsenal in second place um, their goal differential was 32 so they had 32 goals ahead of So they were not going to lose this at all there was no way they could have well they could have lost the last three games in arsenal one but like there was no way they would have lost um but no it's like uh let's see jamie vardy had 24 goals and he the his one of his teammates had 11 assists which was fifth all time like they would overall like their front their front players Pretty much only fed Jamie Vardy to win, but their defense just stopped people from. I mean, beating them. They only lost three games, uh, which is very hard feat to do in like any top to premier team. But uh, like li- literally the season before, they were almost cut to the division two
0: because of how bad they performed. So it was more like this was a do or die year for them. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: so like uh, <clears> that's <throat> <throat> like. No, I mean, um, the last the team that finish the, the three teams that finish in the last place, the top the bottom three get regula- regulated regulated uh, to the division two, and then the top three teams from division two move up. So they just trade like that. But it's not hurt It's very unheard of. Like it's pretty much like the Browns when they went zero sixteen the next season, literally going eighteen and zero, they won the Super Bowl. Like. Yeah, or like back in the day when um who was the who was that really bad team The was it the 76ers like a couple of years ago that were like winning like ten games a season? Yeah, them going yeah. and winning the, you know NBA championships the very next season after I only winning ten games. Like it's like it's so weird to think of a team that was one game away from not being even in the league, to go into winning the championship. That's what happens. You get good coaching. Yup. So.
2: <sniffs> oh, I would say a hundred percent of the brackets got busted that day. I mean,
1: nobody. I'm pretty sure they said that nobody had won the uh, bracket at the in that year. 2018 yeah i don't think anybody ever had umbc winning anything
2: yeah i mean that was the year that uh villanova went on to win the whole thing so right oh let's see
1: wow one dude got it right in 2018 really yep he got the he called the final four right somehow. Where Villanova,
2: Loyola, uh, or
1: Loyola, yeah, Michigan Loyola. and Kansas. And,
2: yeah, all right. So, uh, yeah, Roger, you said one person uh correctly predicted the uh, final four for the 2018 NCAA college basketball.
1: Yes, um, Dale they, they submitted the name as Bronco ninety nine so. Don't know who the actual person was, but congrats to you for getting that somehow right.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, so UMBC beat Virginia. That was in the first round, and then lost to uh, Kansas State in the very next round. Uh, so, I mean, they didn't make it very far, but you know, they still beat the number one seed and put them out of the tournament.
0: Yeah, and the 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 odds of it happening again. Maybe might be more astronomical, but then again, I think it might happen. Maybe because I mean, it was like, I mean, think think about the the the. I mean, zero and I mean zero and one thirty five. You know, at this point, that no one would ever believe that a number sixteen team could win. Um, I mean, and I think it's, it's just one of the things where they just they just had that fighting spirit, you know. And Virginia was a pretty. Good team, you know. At this point, uh,
2: I mean, they were the number one ranked seed coming out of that uh, side of the bracket,
0: right? Who all Who all played for that team? Let me. I would do. I would do a Google search, but my computer's messing up, so I don't want to screw anything else up. For, uh,
1: for which team? For Virginia. For the Villanova, twenty eighteen Villanova.
0: No, 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 Virginia. Oh, Virginia. Yeah. Uh... I mean, they were the number one ranked yeah. team. I was num- yeah, I say, Virginia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hold on, I got it. Uh, yeah, because if they were the number one team, obviously they had uh, to have at least a couple of prospects. Nobody that we
1: know. Uh, I mean, they had four guys go to the NBA. Who are they? Yeah, they had four guys go: uh, Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter, Ty Jerome, and uh, Mamadi Diakite.
0: Okay. Yeah. So they went. They're, like, uh, I'm, they're not like superstars anywhere worry. or anything like that, or high draft lottery picks. Mm, no, no,
2: no. Maybe, no, if, they so.
0: advanced, maybe yeah, if they would advance, maybe if they would ad, ad, advance further into the tournament. Right.
1: Really uh, I guess we'd go on to the last one.
0: Yeah, you want to take this one, or Chip? You want to take it, or Rod? You want to take it? I'm pretty sure Chip don't want it, but.
2: I could go take on. it because. Go uh,
1: ahead, I'd definitely take this one. Oh, um, so, this number one, or the last one on the list uh, Nationals rally past Astros for first World Series. Um, Washington was exactly a slouch, uh, slouch outfit. Who really says that as a statement? Nobody. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: Whoever wrote this has but, to yes. be really, really old.
1: Um, or just trying to get a number fill. Maybe. Right? Uh, so, Washington wasn't exactly a slouch outfit in 2019, taking the first wildcard spot in the National League with a 93-69 record. Still, it was going up against a 107-55 wow, to 55 powerhouse in the form of the Houston Astros. Um, yep. The uh, Nationals were the biggest World Series underdogs since 2007 Colorado Rockies. Uh Washington jumped out to a 2-0 series lead with a pair of wins in Houston only to drop all three of his home games and face the daunting task of having to win two more games on the road. And the Nats did just that. Sonson, the Astros, bats and gained six and seven to win their first World Series. It was the first time in baseball history that the road Team won every game of a seven-game
2: series. That is unheard Yeah, I I remember this uh, very vividly.
1: Oh, I do too, because
2: yeah. uh, I used to be a
1: Montreal Expo fan, so I followed him to Washington.
2: Yeah, and I'm an Astros fan. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I guess you guys couldn't che- could get your signs fast enough. Uh, you know, that's the way it was. Uh,
0: <laughs> the Braves choked, so <laughs> you know, whatever. That's just <laughs> <laughs> do what? I said the braids right. choked, so whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was expected. Yeah. It's a team from Georgia uh, but in the yeah. season. It's gonna happen.
2: <laughs> yeah, this was coming off the uh the the Astros, you know, win in the 2017 uh World Series by Hooker Crook. We'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> got them signs, boy. <laughs>
1: hey, everybody I will say I, I will, say
2: everybody, I, I will say everybody still signs. The Astros just took it uh one step above and and used video equipment so they could study it. Um
1: but like my thing is in that whole situation is like yes everybody does do it and they had video equipment, but doesn't every team have that section in underfield?
2: Yes. For the most part? I, I think <laughs> I, I honestly I think what really um brought people to like hate the Astros for it was the fact that they would apparently, uh, which still has not been proved, they've been through several court cases and uh, everything, but they would, like, apparently bang trash cans uh, a certain way when certain pitches were coming up or whatnot. Um, so that's how they were the cheaters. So... Yeah. Uh, but But still, even after that, you know, the 2018 season the astros played phenomenally uh and then you know the 2019 season you know they won 107 games you know so they there were still no slouches even after the the sign stealing uh debacle so
1: but like my thing is even if they still signs they still have to hit the ball
0: right you still, they need still have to hit it hard exactly yeah you still, you, and you yeah, still like, need to be able to yeah. make those throws, and you still need to be, you know, and even then, I mean, you still got to get your timing down. You still got to get your cadence down. You still got to make sure that the defense is playing correctly for the right batters. Like, sign stealing aside, I mean, yeah, I mean, every team does it. The The, the problem is, like, what you just said, we're talking about, Chip, they use technology to do it. Um, but then again, I mean, people use technology for everything now. So, sign stealing is just another thing that just but of course baseball is one of the oldest games that we play in this country so maybe a little bit of you know technology wouldn't be a bad idea you know for for, you know baseball still has this stupid
1: ideology of unwritten rules are the actual rules and it's so stupid like everybody's like oh oh, if you do replays it's going to slow down the game the you games are four to- hours long. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: the game's already nine hours long. Shit.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then there's always the uh, don't hit a grand slam on like, what is it like the f- the first inning? Or, like what's the grand slam rule? I always get that one confused.
0: Uh, yeah. I don't I know. even know. Uh, I don't I even know about the grand slam rule. Yeah. Um, let me look it up real quick. Here's the thing about baseball. While you're looking that up here, like here's the thing with me about baseball. I like going to a baseball game. I can't watch a baseball game on television, Oh, I can't. you know, not that, not that I won't, you know, cause I mean, there are games where I'm just like, Ooh, I really want to know what's going to happen. Like I'll watch this game, you know, like, you know, like when the Cubs and the Indians played that game seven, of the world series, like, yeah, I had to watch that game. I had to see what happened, um, you know, but for me, like, I love going to like lookouts games, you know what I mean? You know, hashtag free hugs, you know, just <laughs> going out there and just, you know, just watching it. And, and there, there's some games where it's like, We were like, I mean, Chip was with us. I mean, we we were like into it, like, oh, shit. Like, we went to extra innings and everything. And then they lost, unfortunately. And then we were like, ah, motherfucker. You know, but it is what it is.
1: So the unwritten rule, because this happened uh, last year with, uh, he was on the Pirates. What's his name? What's his name? crap i can't remember his name oh uh fernando Toddis jr uh last year he yeah, was playing, he, he, he was,
2: didn't play for the pirates either he he was played for the padres
1: padres yeah sorry sorry um uh, he they were playing against um
2: uh, the rangers
1: was it the rangers yep uh yeah they were playing against the rangers and what he did is he swung on a 3-0 pitch with a large lead leading to a grand slam they were winning 10 to 3 and they swung on a 3-0 uh which apparently is a no-no that's apparently you're not allowed to swing on a 3-0 when you have a big lead
0: yeah because it's considered rubbing it in their face in a sense well like i mean if if it's if bases are loaded and you're gonna walk them you're gonna walk a run in anyway so what the fuck's the point
2: you know yeah yeah it's stupid um I, it, it's it's one of those unwritten rules that just makes no freaking sense. Yeah. So,
1: like, yeah, apparently you're supposed to not swing and just take the four 0 oh, the walk. Like, no, like the that was Todd's first grand career grand slam. I'm not. I wouldn't give it up either. And also the that victory uh, sent a five game losing streak for the Padres. No, I'm, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. Like, get over it. Exactly. It it shit happens, you know, but anyway, um, so we, baseball has so much stupid (laughs) rules, right? All right. So we've gone through 25 of some of the biggest sports upsets. Is there one particular upset that's not on this list that you guys can remember, remember very vividly. And it could be from any sport regardless. It could be from football, basketball, you know, any, anything. What do you, what's some upsets that's not on the list that you guys can't remember off the top of your head?
2: Brock Lesnar repeating The Undertaker at WrestleMania.
0: Hey, is <laughs> Devin? <laughs> Devin? <laughs> that caught me so off guard. He caught me off guard. <laughs> hey, <laughs> no one said it. Uh, yeah. I,
2: I'm just, I, I don't know. I I mean, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head to be honest. Uh, that was the first thing that popped in my head, and obviously I
0: was being, being facetious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Roger, can you think of anyone off any 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 uh, upsets that was on, on this list? That wasn't on yeah, the yeah, list. Yeah, that wasn't on the list.
1: Um,
0: duh. Uh,
1: I really can't. Uh, All
0: right, I got one. If you guys want me, I could give you guys a little bit of time to think about it. Um, I would say an upset for me, and this is to, this is uh, going to the world of mixed martial arts. Um, no, back because we we talked about it a lot in this particular episode. The year two thousand seven, two thousand seven was it had to be the year of upsets because this was actually a very big upset. It was at UFC sixty nine shootout, um, took place in uh, Houston, Texas, and this was on April seventh of two thousand seven, and it was when Matt Sarah. Defeated George St. Pierre by TKO in the first round to become the uh, UFC welterweight champion. Um, George St. Pierre was riding an incredible win streak at this point. He was, you know, without a doubt, at this point, pound for pound, probably the best uh, fighter pound for pound in the UFC. He had Matt. He had you know battles against Jason Miller, Frank Trigg, Sean Sherk, BJ Penn, uh, beating Matt Hughes to win the. Uh, UFC welterweight championship and in his very first defense of the championship. I mean, he's riding this wave of momentum in this very first championship title defense. He loses it to Matt Sarah, who at this point people didn't really consider him like a big name at this point. I mean, he had, I mean, he had, he had lost to guys like BJ Penn and Den Thomas and uh, Carl Parisian. And he didn't really have a big, you know, and, and of course I think people remember, uh, Matt, Matt Sarah specifically because of the Shoney Carter fight when Shoney Carter hit that spinning back fist on him. Um and he lost it at twice. Say what now?
1: He lost to Shoney Carter by that move
0: twice. Yes. Yes. It was, ooh, it was it was sickening. But yeah, but the fact is he wasn't deemed. But what happened was he ended up beating Chris Lytle in the finals of the Ultimate Fighter. The ultimate Fighter. Yeah, the comeback. Yeah, the comeback season. That was season four the comeback. And then he went on to beat GSP by TKO which I mean for that to happen at that point especially because this was in 2007 and this was when the rise of the USC was really prominent you had your champions going into the future you had you know GSP was the future of the welterweights. Anderson Silver and Rich Franklin were the future of the middleweights. You know, the the you know Forrest Griffin and all and Rashad Evans and all those guys, you know, were coming into their own as light heavyweights. Um, you know, you know, Randy Couture was still a heavyweight, still doing his thing, you know, even in his ripe old age, you know. Um, but but that card, that UFC 69 card was just so many incredible battles on that card. Kendall Grove versus Alan Belcher. Uh, Yushin Okami versus Mike Swick. Roger Huerta versus Leonard Garcia. Josh Koscheck and Diego Sanchez. That whole entire card was incredible. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely the upset of the night when Matt Sarah beat George St. Pierre. I think it was probably one of the biggest upsets. What's 1A, 1B between Matt Sarah beating George St. Pierre and also David Tyree beating Mark Coleman. I think is up there as far as some of the biggest upsets and y- you know, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but that to me, it's to me, it's one of the biggest upsets in them. And then it makes martial arts, especially in the USC. I think so. Um, I mean, at the time
1: the, for me, the best pound for pound fighter was Anderson Silva. Cause he was undefeated literally in the UFC and was not dropping anybody for
0: years more to come
1: Dude, he, he went uh, up
0: in weight classes he was undefeated beating Sandman Irvin and beating uh Forrest Griffin in record yeah but Sandman Irvin's man it was a warm-up
1: it was a tune fight to see if he could keep the weight and fight right uh but yeah the Forrest Griffin one he beat him with a jab to the ear which <laughs> right. is a douche move yeah uh but no um uh, I mean like George Saint Pierre was great at the time, but even him, he self said he wasn't mentally prepared for that fight. He was physically ready, but not mentally ready, and you can tell. Um, but I mean, GSP literally has redeemed every single fight he ever lost. He came back after retirement, won the title back, <laughs> right. and then retired again. So I mean, the dude's just—he's a—he was a monster. But after the him winning that title back is when he literally went on that rampage of never losing again, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, but for me an upset on this list or that wasn't on this list uh, at least I don't think it was on this list was uh, when the Miami Heat lost to the uh, Dallas Mavericks
0: that's not on the list but yeah that's definitely uh, that's definitely um, an upset because this this was the Heatles this was LeBron James, D. Wade and Chris Bosh going against the oldest team in the NBA at the time yep
1: Dirk Nowitzki over here just hitting them up, putting moves on them, beat them in five games? I think so, yeah. I think it so. Was, yeah, it was five or six games, but I'm pretty sure it was five. But, I mean, old man Dirk doing old man things. Yep.
0: When Le- I mean, LeBron was playing – he he had that villain role at that point because he had just left Cleveland, made the decision, took his towns to South Beach and linked up, and he was promised everybody not five, not six, not seven. I mean, you got two, so, I mean, that's close. Oh, it was was six games. It was six games. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you had Dirk, you had Jason Terry, Jason Kidd, Tyson Chandler. They had a lot of good players on that team. I mean, you did.
1: Um, Can't take that away from them. But uh, Dallas, uh, they didn't really, like, blow – out the heat at all in most games like they would win the most they won by was 10 points right but i mean it was just an older it was a bunch of vets playing together and they knew what to do yeah uh i'm trying to think about who they had guarding lebron was it it was Corey brewer wasn't it i think it was brewer or, yeah it was Corey brewer and crom butler for some reason those two guys knew how to maintain lebron well enough uh JJ Barea was a J.J. Brea
0: and um,
1: oh, who was the other guy?
0: Uh I was about to say Dellavedova but that wasn't Dellavedova that was a was Cleveland right? Yeah Was it JJ Redick? Uh, was Redick with the, with was with Dallas? At the no,
1: league? it was JJ Barea and uh, I want I think it was I think it was Jason Terry were the ones that they somehow had guarded Dwayne Wade even though JJ Barea was a point guard but I think they had him defensively
0: on Dwayne right. Wade. And they kept Tyson Chandler on Chris Bosch the whole time, pretty much, right? Yeah, you have to because he was he had that weight. Yeah. And Dirk was just being dirt, you know.
1: I mean, but who was gonna guard Dirk at the time with that fadeaway knee?
0: Who yeah. yeah. I mean I mean Hassan Whiteside, was he there yet? Or was that or am I thinking of Udonis Haslam?
1: You're thinking of Udonis Haslam. Yeah, there
0: you go. Yeah, Haslam would probably have been the one to have been on Dirk. Uh LeBron. Or LeBron, yeah.
1: That was a 2010-2011 season. LeBron was the... Not LeBron. But uh, Dirk was the uh, Finals MVP.
2: Yep. Uh, so, the, Roger will appreciate this one. Uh, the, the one that actually comes to mind, uh, and I've done a little bit of research on it after becoming a rugby fan... Was actually Japan beating South Africa at the uh, 2015 Rugby World Cup? Do you yeah, remember so this?
0: Yes, yeah, so that's beautiful.
2: Yeah, uh, so uh, I'm,
0: I'm the uninitiated here. You might want to fill me in. <laughs> so Japan
1: uh, was like an, is a nobody in rugby.
2: Yeah, so they had only ever won one solitary Rugby World Cup match heading into the 2015 edition of the tournament, and although they had made progress in the 20 years since. They got eviscerated by New England, New England, one forty-five to seventeen. Uh, they were still minnows who seemingly had little chance of making any sort of impact in England. Uh, that was until they took on South Africa in Pool B's opening contest, and the South Africans were among the leading contenders to win the trophy. were expected to make light work of Japan. Uh, instead, a thrilling encounter ended in a 34-32 Japanese victory <clears throat> as the team coach uh the team was coached by Eddie Jones uh they uh, upset pregame odds of an 80 to 1 which is known as the miracle of
0: Brighton so uh, can, can I can I ask a quick question again Sure. I'm not a I'm not am I don't watch rugby I'm a I'm not a fan of rugby not because I'm not a fan of rugby cuz I don't watch it. You know, you can't really be a fan of something unless you like watch it. Um Get Peacock. I got Peacock. I just don't ever Oh, it's have, on there. Okay. They have rugby all okay. on it. Explain to me how a team can only score Okay, guys. You if I'm if I'm if I read if I listen to you correctly, you said 145 to 17. Correct. Yep. Okay. That's 145 points to 17 points. So what did, how exactly do you score 145 points in rugby? Uh, You, every time you score a try is five points and you make the
1: kick for two points. So seven points. Okay. So. And it's, it's also make it, take it.
0: Oh, okay. So it's not like you score and then the other person gets the ball. If you, if you yes, score, you, keep, you just it. keep going until no one can no, until they stop you, pretty much. Until they
1: stop you, get the ball or, or score on you. But yes, uh, not only that, you can drop kick at any time for three points. You can also get penalty kicks at any time for three points. So I mean, there, you can literally score at, at any moment.
0: Okay, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have yes. to educate my sh- myself on uh, rugby because I don't want to be the novice of the group. um well, i mean i'll be a novice no matter what because i i don't watch it as much um or at all um i mean now jeff peacock can watch it all the time do you rec- do you recommend me any games or any teams that i need to look at uh I
1: My mean, my favorite team is uh england um they had the six nations a couple like a month ago a month or two ago uh, six-, six nation is england uh scotland wales uh france Italy and Ireland uh, and they play each other in pretty much like a round robin
0: kind of tournament. So um, so it's more European teams instead of just um, did, is there any American based uh rugby or yeah. anything like that?
1: Yeah I mean there's yeah. a rugby club but I mean USA is just now starting to really get into it so I mean they're starting to get better.
2: Yeah I mean uh, we have a local rugby team. Yeah. Oh. Uh, okay. you, have, you have Nuga Rugby. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like I said, but I mean, I like the Houston SaberCats. No, yeah. no. Um,
1: like like I said, America's getting into it now. Like really, get. I mean, they've had the league, but they're just now actually starting to do it. Um, they're most known for their uh sevens, which is seven versus seven. Yeah. Um, because Carlin Isles and Perry Baker, which are literally like two of the fastest men ever, in rugby. Uh, and that's the Las Vegas summer summer tournaments. So you I think you can watch those on NBC on uh Peacock, I mean too. Um, uh, but if you want to watch international, I mean just watch the Rugby World Cups on YouTube.
0: Or is the international games more exciting to watch than the they're, club team, yes. They're all exciting in my opinion.
1: Okay. They are. I mean, um, uh, so with club team and the difference between clubs and uh International is the international is more physical because they can do what we call rucking, which is when a player goes down, um, you step over them to um, pretty much set up the line, the offside line, and then you can like somebody can push you off if they're pull you or whatever. They like they fight you for that position or to also steal the ball at the same time. In club, when you go down, they don't do that, uh, obviously for safety reasons. But internationals they get more physical. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But I mean, you can watch clubs and pick up a lot from it because it's. It's faster, but the
0: rules are better explained in okay. Other situations. Okay. Well, I'm, yeah. I I have more homework to do this week. Watch rugby, listen to Jay Cole's new record, watch the new documentary. Like, I got a lot of shit.
1: Listen to, to Jay Cole's albums in general. Yes, all of you them. Got to do. All I, I got
0: to do the Kid Cudi albums as well. You do have to do the Kid Cudi albums as well. Just the Man on the Moons. Yeah, just the Man on the Moon yeah. albums. Okay. Alright, well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the biggest upsets in sports. You do have 25 upsets and three extra upsets that we threw in there. Um, thank you guys for tuning into this episode of Something About Sports. Anything you guys want to say before we kick it out here tonight?
2: Um, as always, check out movementradio.us, that is your one-stop shop for all things movement radio. And if you so happen to be listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review. It gives nothing to us monetarily. But it helps with Apple's algorithm to get our podcast out to a broader audience.
0: Absolutely, Roger. Anything new to the Patreon channel? Um, we
1: should be adding. Is it this Saturday we're adding it? Uh,
2: no. Last Saturday we dropped the uh, rap rewind of Eminem show. Oh, and <laughs> yeah, next Saturday will be fifteen weakest albums by great rappers. That yes.
0: was such a fun episode. The 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 the, uh, the Eminem show. Eminem show. That yes. was such... uh, say goodbye. Yes. Say goodbye, to Hollywood. Say goodbye. Say goodbye. Now it's gonna be three uh, hell on night. <laughs> say goodbye. As Hollywood.
2: as Roger would say, only a dollar a month, and you get these great great episodes where we talk all things hip hop and just kind of fanboy over you know our love for the hip hop culture
1: exactly yes uh, and also it goes towards getting
0: telling a new computer because <laughs> yes. he really needs one eventually it will happen um, one day eventually and then when we start doing video stuff you know we'll be able to uh, do get more content for the YouTube channel and other places and hopefully you guys will enjoy that a couple of quick shout outs shout out to my good buddy Sean Thompson over at Thompson Personal Training $40 an hour man $40 a session you can't beat that price and you will get bang for your buck it will give you the best performance Uh, based uh, workout that you can ask for cardiovascular workout strength and conditioning go check him out Sean Thompson on Facebook Thompson personal training on Facebook shout out to our good buddies Jerry and Jennifer over at the chronic conversations podcast they got a cool uh, thing going on over there too shout out to our buddy Ivan Montanez twitch.tv slash Unleashed Demon go check out his content a lot of cool stuff there and again we say it every single week but we mean it thank you guys we love you we appreciate you thank you for everything that you've done for us for sharing the, the the links to downloading the uh, the content. We have 417 listens to our Lint Biscuit rock retrospective and it, it blows my mind that 400 people still love love listening to Lint Biscuit. But the fact that we still have that it means that it's it's working and you guys are putting forth the effort to get to get it out there and thank you guys for all the love and thank you guys for listening. We will see you guys next week on another edition of Something About Sports Chip. Let's hit them with the outro. Please do not leave without leaving a like, comment, share, and subscribe
2: on your favorite podcasting platform.
0: Follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Check out the YouTube channel, subscribe, click that bell to get notified of our latest videos, patreon.com and movementradio.us. I am Chip Hazard. I am Talon Williams. And I'm Roger Sierra.
2: And this is Movement Radio. God's plan. <laughs>